sonrisa que ha pasado por su casa, que ha venido porque quiere ser feliz. Good morning. Welcome to Tom's World Language Cafe, coming to you live from Fishers, Indiana, and also from the south side of Indianapolis, Indiana. And today we have, we're in, in the end of February 2017. Uh, it is a cold morning here in Indianapolis and, and Fishers, Indiana. And uh, today we uh, have a very special show, and we'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, but first, I would like to thank Radio, uh, Radio UCCS uh, in Colorado Springs, Colorado, University of Colorado, for sponsoring our show and to the faculty and staff there at UCCS for their support. Also to uh, Kyle Boyle, for uh, the station manager, for all his help. And a special thank you to Marge Mystery uh, for the help that she gave us when we started the program. Today's guest is uh, Gina Stackhouse, a Spanish teacher and department head of uh, world languages at Ron Colley High School in Indianapolis, Indiana. Uh, good morning, Gina. Good morning, Tom. How are you? I'm great. Um, it's um, uh, a Wednesday morning in Indianapolis in Fishers, Indiana, and um, I assume everything's about the same down there in the south side of Indianapolis that is, uh, is, is up here in Fishers, and it's a pretty cold morning, right? It's gotten cold again. Yeah, it sure is. It's getting cold. Looking for some snow again. Yes. And uh, uh, Gina, can you tell the listeners um, a little bit about um, your school and how long you've been there, what you teach? Uh, yeah, of course. Okay. Um, so I work at Roncalli High School, which is a private Catholic high school on the south side of Indianapolis. Um, it is the largest high school, Catholic high school um, in the in the state, really. Um, I have been here for, for seven years now, and this is actually my eighth year teaching, so I've been here the majority of my career. Um, Ron Colley is a college prep school, um, you know, so we have very high academics, high rigor, um, excellent teachers, excellent curriculum, um, and then we um, base everything we do off our Catholic faith as well. How many students do you have there at Ron Colley? Um, we have right around 1,200 students. So that is the biggest uh, uh, Catholic uh, high school in the city, correct? Y yes, it is. Mm -hmm. So, and um, your family is from where? Indianapolis? No. No, um, I actually grew up near Effingham, Illinois. Um, so it's a couple hours from Indy. Uh -huh. uh, my family, most of my family still lives there today. And what, uh, why uh, did you pick Spanish to teach? Um, you know, honestly, I, I started studying it in high school, and I fell in love with the language. Um, I continued in college, and it just kind of deepened my love for the language, um, the culture that goes with it. Um, there's so much, so much to learn. You know, I'm so curious about all the different cultures. Um, and then just being able to have that aspect of communicating with this whole other group of people in our world. Now, um, where did you study Spanish originally? Um, I went to the University of Evansville in Evansville, Indiana um, for my undergrad. And through that, I spent a semester in Salamanca, Spain. Um, and since then, I have completed my master's from um, Indiana University. And I spent two more summers, um, actually, in Salamanca as well. 
Now, did um, uh, did you get the MAT degree then? Is that the degree that you got? Yes, I have a master's in art and teaching Spanish. So the whole program was in Spanish. It was a phenomenal program, um, and I really loved it and learned a lot from it. Now, that was the program, I think, that uh, Professor Marta Anton started, right? Yes, uh, yes. That's right. Um, did you, um, when you were talking about your high school studies, did your high school teacher have anything to do with you really liking the language there at Effingham? Um, you know, I, I really enjoyed the class. I always thought it was interesting. Um, you know, she, I, I still keep in contact with her today, um, and help her with some of the, the trips and stuff that she leads. Um, but yeah, definitely she had an influence on, uh, my love for the language. Now did, um, um, you were talking about culture and do you mm -hmm. find, uh, culture difficult to teach or do you, integrate that with language or do you treat that as one and the same as language? Um, I really try to integrate it all together. Um, it's obviously easier um, to integrate it when the, the students are at a higher level in the language um, so we can put those aspects into into play a little bit more. Um, but um, yeah, I think culture is, is a really important aspect of the language, um, showing the students like how um, how people live in other countries, their traditions, their history. Um, always that can add a, such a richness to your classroom um, and, you know, kind of prepare the students a little bit more um, to go out in the world and explore on their own as well. Now, what are your three favorite teaching activities if you had to pick like what are the three things that you like to do the most in class as far as teaching activities or strategies, maybe? Um, you know, in the, and sort of as I've, I've evolved as a teacher, um, you know, my thinking about teaching has changed a lot. Um, but really, you know, the, the re one of the main reasons of learning Spanish is to, to use it, um, to communicate with it. And so, um, you know, I've really changed my strategies in the last few years to, to be completely geared towards that. Um, so any kind of activity that I can get these students talking um, and using the language, um, I have a couple, you know, favorite activities. One of them um, we call citas rapidas, so kind of like a speed dating type activity. Um, we usually do it early in the year, and you know, the kids prepare. They prepare, prepare like pickup lines and some questions. It's as if they're going on, you know, a first date. Um, and then they get like two to three minutes to talk to each of their um, classmates and we kind of move around the room. Um, and so once we've done that, then we kind of use that concept. That's um, um, to throughout the year. So that, you know, the hobbit. And... Now, Go ahead. when you say that you uh, uh, do group activities and et cetera, do you do teamwork type things as well? In the group, we do. So there's a concept of a team type idea. Oh yeah, um, we do a lot of working groups. Um, sometimes just in, in groups, you know, partners. Sometimes in bigger groups of four. And I've I've tried projects even up to ten kids in a group, um, and they do really well. You know, you like to have that team leader, um, kind of that point person who is always in contact with me. You know, who's asking the questions, who you know are kind of leading their team, setting up. Um, what each person should do and, and helping that. But then after that, you know, we, I really, you know, kind of stress to the kids, this is a, a life skill, you know, learning how to work with other people. Uh, plus then they're just, um, they're using their own knowledge. They're discussing grammar concepts and culture concepts and all of that amongst themselves um, and not relying on me, not relying, you know, nowadays on the internet or anything to look up stuff. 
they're using their own knowledge. So you would say that your your teaching strategies are very student centered, right? Yes, absolutely. Um, when I can plan and prepare a lesson and do all my work outside of time, and then when class comes and I guide, essentially guide the students to to where you know I'm wanting them to go and what I'm wanting them to learn, so they're doing the work um, then in class. Now, the fact that you emphasize speaking and uh, uh, communication, of course, um, brings to mind one of the dilemmas or problems maybe in teaching uh, around the country, for example. And that is um, the value of uh, speaking and the importance of speaking for the students so that they indeed become fluent in the language after three or four years of language study. Um, because I think there are some schools, unfortunately, not all of them, but maybe a certain percentage, I, I don't know what it might be exactly, but maybe 20, 30 percent, uh, probably, that where language study, there isn't a lot of speaking maybe going on, that there perhaps are uh, too many worksheets or too many digital worksheets given out where the students right. um, end up um, writing all the time or a lot of the time or uh, uh, listening to the teacher perhaps and not speaking enough. Uh, what, it, what's your opinion about that? Do you agree perhaps or? I, I do agree. I think, um, you know, there's too much when you, when you talk about a student centered classroom, um, the idea is not just to have them, you know, silently working on a worksheet or, you know, something like that all the time. Um, you know, the idea is to get them using the language. So maybe they need to write something, but then they have to say it out loud or speak it or ask a question or something else with it afterwards is, is sort of my concept. Um, you know, because we can't throw writing and grammar out the window. Um, right. But, but there's so ways to integrate um Let's let's write a question. Then I want you to ask ten people that question, and yes. then you know, you know, different different ways and techniques to to incorporate all of that together. Now, um, when when we talk example, uh, for example, about TPR, uh, the reading the readers where people speak all the time, and um, and that's the focus: listening and speaking, but especially listening at the beginning. Um, mm -hmm. Do you see that as a vital part of class or as a supplemental type thing? Um, for me, I think it's supplemental, um, but I think there's a vital aspect to that at, at a younger age, especially. Um, you know, my I teach Spanish three, and I have two levels of it. So I have an honors level, which is a higher level, and a sigil credit class, mm -hmm. and then I teach um, Spanish which is college prep. So it's a lower um, lower level class, just a little bit slower moving. Um, but especially with those um, those honors kids, they you know there's an aspect of I can use synonyms, I can use hand gestures or movements or you know stuff like that, and kind of use that that TPR technique in a sense to get the, across ideas to them. Um, but they're at the age and time where they need to use the language more, yes, yes. Um, and they're not going to sit back and want to listen to me speak all day. Right. Uh, over the years, I, I always felt like uh, the more that I that I teach language, I, I always feel like that uh, variety is the best form of, of um, teaching. In other words, and what you said, I think, exemplifies that. But uh, this idea of having a variety of activities and strategies and, 
and not to just do one thing, you know, that there, there are so many ways and, and especially to reach the students, um, to reach um, the different learning styles of each student. And I think sometimes if we get too one-sided uh, in what we're trying to do, we, we end up not reaching a lot of the kids. And um, so mm-hmm. I think what you said is totally valid and good, that uh, basically uh, the more activities, the more variety, the better, right? Um, right. Yes. And I would say that, you know, students have – they have a comfort level in, in routine. You know what I mean? They like to do stuff that they know how to do. Um, but I think that in, in my, I, in my opinion, you I like to take something that they really enjoyed an activity or something and modify it or put it into a new way. So they have that level of comfort, but then they're actually, you know, using it in a new different way with different information, different speaking, you know, prompts and whatnot. So, what about technology in the, in the classroom today? What do you think the role of technology is at this point? I think um, that tech, so it's, you know, sort of a, a double-edged sword in, in a way because I think there's a lot of good and bad that come with it. Um, I think you have to be, you have to choose when to use technology and when not to. And I personally, am a little old school. I like to, I like to speak. I don't like them to use the computers all the time. Um, but the, you know, the internet and the computer, the kids always having, um, access to the internet and stuff kind of opens up the world a lot to them. You know, we can, you know, if we're, we're talking about Spain, we can look exactly where Spain is on a map. We can find, you know, thousands of different sites with information about it. Um, you know, you can, there's always videos and, um, audio recordings and all this stuff of music and people speaking, um, you know, it really brings to life, a, a classroom, you know, I can't, I can't bring everything to the classroom. So it kind of brings a lot more with it. Yes. And, um, uh, certainly is a supplemental thing, very important, but I, I, right. I, I agree with you. I think the live aspect of language learning uh, the group work, the idea that language is a social concept, that it's a social learning situation where we need to be live with people and not just uh, on a computer all the time is, is significantly important and, and right. not something not to be overlooked um, uh, and not to underestimate, the, obviously, the, the power and the value of learning um, digitally on a computer, that it's certainly important and especially the culture as culture aspect uh, as you mentioned in uh, certainly cultural projects etc online but I think sometimes we, we need to be careful that we don't uh, uh, perhaps do too much and then we lose the live uh, mm-hmm. real human beings communicating with one another and I, exactly and I often tell the students I said it's wonderful and, and, and we certainly do projects etc on, online but I always try to tell them that when you visit a country in the city, that uh, you aren't going to be talking to a computer. You're going to be live, <laughs> and that these are real people, and and that 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 uh, thinking is live, et cetera, et cetera, and uh, that uh, that's a little bit different, you know, the realities. And it's good to practice live with human beings talking to each other, uh, absolutely, where you actually see each other and can react to people immediately, et cetera, et cetera. So there's certainly good, the good, and as you said, the bad part of it. So uh, I think the the good certainly outweighs the bad, but it's the idea of uh, accommodating both of these, the, the live aspect of language learning versus the 
the te- the the technical side of it, the um, the that part of it. Um, what about discipline in today's schools? Um, uh, we're talking about Ron Colley High School, which has a great tradition of of learning and. It's a wonderful academic school, athletic school, all, all types of uh, the band, and it excels in about everything. And I'm assuming right. in Roncalli there must be some very good discipline in the classroom, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, I think first and foremost, um, in a, a classroom, you know, the teacher has to be, you know, demand respect from the students, you know, set those rules forth. Um, you know, in my classroom, you know, I tell the kids from the very, you know, very beginning, you know, I'm, I respect you and I expect you to respect me. And I also want you to work hard and, you know, and kind of those aspects of being like a good person um, kind of come first and foremost here. Um, we don't see a lot of, you know, a, a, a huge need for any kind of d- discipline in our school. <clears throat> we like to um, tend to keep, you know, sort of, you know, push those those students towards our Catholic values um, obviously in different schools, it's very different. Um, we're very, you know, fortunate here that we have a really good set of kids that, um, they want to work hard. Um, they've had been disciplined at home. Um, and that's just something that you don't find everywhere, um, out there today. Yes. And do you, um, I know that you obviously believe in this quite, quite, quite a lot, uh, because you happen to have studied in our in our, our Aventura program in Cuba in Havana, and I know that you really value travel, and and for the mm-hmm. teachers. And uh, what message would you give to language teachers, Spanish, French, German, Chinese, Russian, about the importance of visiting countries? I, I mean, I think honestly, I think it's one of the the most important things you could do as a language learner, um, as you know, a language teacher. Um, you know, I, I always use the example that I, you know, I personally, I'm not a native speaker of Spanish, um, and I, yes, I speak Spanish all day, every day, but I speak at a high school level, um, you know, to my students so that they can understand me and um, and they can learn from me. But, you know, to keep my my personal abilities up, I think travel is, is vital. Um, you know, I have to immerse myself into those cultures, you know, put myself in situations that I'm a little bit uncomfortable with so that I can continue to be a learner, you know, and grow in my language aspects. Um, and then, you know, if you look at the whole cultural aspect of it, that's just another huge component. Um, I think as a Spanish-speaking you know, teacher. So we have so many places to go. Do do you, um, I know you take students on trips. Do you have any trips coming up? Um, yeah, actually on spring break. So at the end of March this year, I'm taking a a small group, um, of students to Spain. Um, we're starting in Madrid and kind of, um, you know, going over through Toledo and Salamanca and up to San Sebastian and Barcelona. So, um, how many days will you be there then? Ten days. Okay. Yeah. And now what company is that with? Is that EF? Uh, no. Um, no, we travel with World Strides. Okay. And so, uh, so you must be, have spoken with Michael, I suppose, about the drip, right? 
Of course, of course, Michael. Michael leads all of my trips. Um, we've yeah. worked in, here um, at Roncalli. We've worked with World Strides um, probably for 30 years or more. Um, obviously, I haven't been here that long, but I've worked with them as long as I've been. Um, Michael's been um, sort of my point person there and um, done a fantastic job. I've had a lot of really great trips with World yeah, Strides. Yeah, Michael's quite, quite a great leader of uh, student trips and directing all organization of such things for World Strides and. Uh, Yes, uh, we're fortunate that he is there with the World Strides. And they also do a lot of beautiful interactive trips, right, where you right. actually are out in the streets and you get a, the kids get to interact quite a bit. Um, anyway, let's, um, let's move on here to um, um, talking about uh, this idea of travel again. I wanted to talk mm-hmm. a little bit more about it. Um, so when you travel, what... What's the what do you learn the most uh, about when you're traveling as far as the culture? Do you have any particular things you'd like to pay attention to when you're out and about? Um, one thing I like to bring into my classroom from my travels a lot of times is just what's daily life look like in you know in other countries in other cultures. Um, you know, a lot of times the students see our our life as like sort of you know the way we live here in the U.S sort of the only way they haven't seen other ways of life, um, you know, to, so to, um, for example, I just did a big unit on, on Cuba, um, with some of my classes. Um, you know, I, I put into play all of those aspects that I learned when I was in Cuba this summer. Um, but it's, you know, showing them how people bought food, how, you know, where they go to markets, how do they get around the city, you know, what kind of transportation are they using, um, what are they doing at night, are they, you know, at home with their families, or are they out, you know, with friends dancing, you know, those kind of things, I think, make the culture really real to the students, and that's that's really what I like to, yes, to pick up on. very nice, which is really the life, right, the daily life of the right. people and how they live. Um, now we'll talk a little bit about your family. Now, do you have your family still in Effingham? Um, my parents are still near there. Um, and I have one, one of my brothers and his wife, um, live close to my parents. And then I have, um, a brother who lives in St. Louis and, um, a sister who lives, um, in Breeze, Illinois, which is, um, closer to St. Louis. Um, her, she lives there with her husband, her three kids. Okay, and what about um, your favorite hobbies? What what do you like the, the hobbies that you like the most? Um, my well, my favorite hobby really is traveling. <laughs> um, but besides that, um, I I actually teach cycling classes um, at the, some of the local gyms. Um, so that's one of my biggest hobbies, um, as well as running. Um, I like to do half marathons. Um, you know, and then, you know, stuff like reading, um, hanging out with my friends and family, you know, checking out all the new sites in, in Indianapolis. And about your, your all time favorite teacher who inspired you the most when you were studying Spanish, who would that be? Um, really, I would say my, two of my college professors, you know, Dr. Anton, we, we talked a little bit about her. Um, she was probably my primary teacher primary teacher in um 
in the master's program that I did. Um, and she was just fantastic. I mean, she is so knowledgeable about so many, about so many aspects and really pushed me, um, to sort of think outside the box in terms of my teaching, my language use, how I teach culture. Um, and I mean, I love that. And I, I may still contact her a lot. I see her, um, and she's been a great resource to me and a great inspiration to me. And, um, did you study with, I didn't know if you uh, studied with Professor Baker down at the University of Evansville. Yes, um, Dr. Baker and, or Ms. Baker and um, Dr. Moan also at the University of Evansville. I worked closely with them. Um, while I was there, I actually worked in the foreign language um, office. Um, so I got to spend a lot of time um, with sort of all the language teachers, which was really neat. Um, yes. But uh, yeah, I keep in contact with both of them still. Um, and, you know, always look to them for advice, you know, if I need to hire someone from my department, um, you know, just in looking back onto what I learned from them, you know, their enthusiasm for the language, um, their, from Dr. Moan especially, you know, learning to not be afraid to take chances when I'm teaching, you know, try something new. If it doesn't work, you know, you fix it or you, you, um, you know, be flexible in that. Um, so those are some important things I feel like I've learned from yeah, them. And, uh Dr. Antoine Marta, she uh, not only is a great professor, she's a great writer. She's written some beautiful yes. articles on, on on linguistics and applied linguistics, et cetera. And she's just very, very knowledgeable of so many things, as you said. Uh, one mm -hmm. of the great, great uh, teachers in the world, I suppose, the whole world. Because right. uh, she does so many things. Um Let's talk about risk-taking for a minute. You brought one up. That's my favorite topic, one of my favorite topics <laughs> to talk about. Um, what's, when you talk about risk-taking in, in the classroom, what, what do you do um, that, that might be risk-taking, that you would call it risk-taking? And if something doesn't work, what do you do next? So um, I think... Risk taking is just in the classroom, especially is going out of my personal comfort zone to try some kind of new activity, um, a new, you know, a new style of teaching, even um, for the kid, for the students, you know, um, you know, obviously what I do on a database basis is, is for the students. So when I think of new things, when I learn something, you know, I'm like, okay, are they going to be, what are they going to learn from it? How are, how are they going to be engaging or interacting with each other? You know, kind of go through that process of um, thinking about it and planning it out and then um, taking that risk of, of trying something new, you know, especially, you know, we're in second semester now, the kids are, they like their routine and, you know, they, you know, they think they have me figured out a lot of times. Um, but to try new things um, can really mix up the class and give them a different perspective. Um, sometimes, a lot of times they'll, they'll tell me how much fun they had and they don't even know that they're speaking Spanish the whole time. Um, exactly. So, it, so you do a lot of risk taking, I think. Uh, I really, I really try to. Yeah. You know, it's after eight years of teaching. Um, I don't want to get bored with my teaching. If I'm bored, then the students are bored. Exactly. Um, exactly. And that's uh, a very important issue that, uh, Teachers, uh, sometimes they get into ruts. Um, they get into these, uh, uh, as you said, that there's no risk-taking going on. Right. And then they just kind of settle into their ruts and their routines and without knowing it in many cases. Sometimes the teacher doesn't even know that. And uh -huh. so uh, it's really significant important for everybody to risk-take, right? Because that's, uh, that's right. And as you said, when you mentioned the groups that you'll try, you've tried groups even up to 10 in a group. And um 
uh, those items of risk-taking, the different sizes of groups, uh, the different activities, expectations, all of that is extremely important in, in language teaching. Um, and especially to, to, to uh, make the rapport of, of the, between teacher and student, to, that part to be really good, uh, that we have to risk-take. Uh, and it, it's, uh, it needs to be done more, I think, in, in, in many aspects. And, and at all levels, probably, of language teaching, that uh, we need to risk-take uh, and not get in this, um, as you said, where we, where we don't want to get where we're repeating all the time or we're doing the same thing mm -hmm. over and over and over. And uh, it takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of work to, to think to, out of the box. And uh, you mentioned uh, uh, Marta Anton, uh, where you have to think out of the box. And, and that, that leads you to the risk-taking uh, and, and what you can do. Um, so um, what about singing? Do you, do you sing a lot with the students, or do they like to sing? <laughs> um, I personally am not a singer. Uh -huh. uh, but... Um, I use a lot of, I do use a lot of music a lot in my classrooms. I think, um, you know, my kids get, they get used to hearing me speak. They get used to hear some, in, some of the audio, you know, and videos and stuff that we use, but music is a whole, you know, a whole nother aspect. Um, there's culture aspects in it. There's just the language is so different. Um, it's a lot quicker. Um, and so we use a lot of songs. Uh, we might look for grammar. We might use, um, you know, look for certain words, just use it to really refine their, um, their listening abilities, yes, yes. um, as well as, you know, some of the, the music videos are really, you know, interesting and, and the kids enjoy seeing them, um, getting to know, um, you know, those, the, 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 the singers that sing in the, the Spanish speaking world, um, whether they're from that world, you know, whether they're Hispanic or Latino Spanish or whether they're, you know, from the U.S., you know, now, kind of looking at those cultural right. differences as well. Who are your favorite singers, Spanish speaking singers? Um, my my all time fav favorite really is Juanes. Um, I have always loved Juanes. And I, I was I got to see him in concert in Vigo in northern Spain one time. And it was amazing. <laughs> yes. We, we, uh, we were fortunate a couple of years ago in Madrid with our Aventura program. He was in concert in uh, the, um, uh, I think it was the, um, uh, it was the Teatro, it wasn't the Teatro de, de España, but it was, I uh, can't remember the exact name of the building. It, it's uh, over there by Opera and uh, uh, that side of uh, the south side of Madrid. Uh -huh. And um, and I cannot remember the name of the the, the teatro, but at, at any rate, it was a, one of the older theaters in Madrid. Beautiful theater, teatro, beautiful neighborhood. And so, teachers, we we decided we'd buy tickets to see one is and just an outstanding performance. It was incredible, and uh, um, as you said, and especially when you see him live, he's very very mm -hmm. impressive as a person. You know, not just a singer, but as a person. Uh, it does a lot right. of good for a lot, lot of people around the world. So very, very conscientious, helpful person. And, uh, uh, yeah, one is, 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 is really, really good. Um, and, and interesting that there are a lot of, a lot of teachers, I think, Spanish teachers that, that say the same thing, that he's by far the favorite singer of the moment, right? That the people like, um, and the kids mm -hmm. like, the students like. Um, so, um, I'm, I want to go back to risk-taking one more time. So 
can you think of a couple things in class you would recommend to do with risk-taking for the listeners, a couple of ideas that you might suggest? Um, I usually, so risk-taking for me, you know, kind of takes on different aspects. Um, it could be anywhere from my expectation of the students. Um, you know, I think risk taking can sometimes be, you know, giving them a task and seeing where they will take it um, without being, you know, completely guiding them in that task. Um, you know, trying new, like we said earlier, um, new group sizes, um, you know, different topics, you know, give them topics that they're familiar with, topics that they're unfamiliar with. Um, kind of see where they go um, with that kind of stuff. And um, different aspects like that is kind of what I, you know, consider my, my risk take. Um, something I, you know, just something little that I try it. Uh, yeah, I kind of lost you there. Uh, are you still there? Well, are you still there? This is a whole thing. Yeah. I, I, I think I lost you for a minute. Can we go back and you repeat that idea? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So um, one of one thing that I did this year was um, I like to do a warm-up activity with my students to kind of get them thinking in Spanish for the day. And um, the whole first semester, we, we were doing a question of the day. Um, you know, where I would come with a question, they would think of answers uh so you you came with the question of the day, and they they would give answers. Is that what happened then? Yeah, I think we're kind of losing our connection here. Huh. Well, are you still there? We'll pick a topic, and then so I was just giving the question. They would give answer. Okay. Um, well, I appreciate you being on the show today and, uh, and taking time to do the, the show with us. Thank you so much. And uh, um, I wish you the great, most success possible. I'm sure that uh, the school is very blessed to have you there teaching and uh, someone who has a passion for language teaching as you do. And uh, thank you again for being on our show. Thanks, Tom. Thank you for having me. And uh I want to tell the listeners coming up uh, next week, we have Jill Warner, who is the, um, uh, the foreign language uh, uh, coordinator for the state of Indiana, World Languages. She's going to be on our show. And then a couple of weeks after that, uh, we're going to have Dr. Marcia Stevenson on from Purdue University with students um, who are going to be language teachers. And we're going to do a little uh, uh, panel discussion. So that's coming up in a couple of weeks. Uh, Again, thank you, uh, Gina, for being on the show. And uh, thank you, listeners. And we will catch you next week. Gracias por haber venido aquí. And thank you all uh, for being with us. And uh, have a wonderful, wonderful week. We're going to close with uh, the song of um, Alejandro Fernandez. Have a great week. Hasta pronto.
pasado por su casa, que ha venido porque quiere ser feliz. Canta con razón, que el amor de mi 